The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Now, back to your tech report. We are back on your tech report. Thank you guys so much for being with us each and every single week. I am Marco Flalo, of course, by my side, Mitchell Whitfield. Yes. Uh, of course, on, on social media, Mitchell, people can follow, can connect, uh, listen to our podcast, listen on SiriusXM, but it's all at your tech report if you're looking for us. It's all very clever, Mark. It is very clever, and you know what? I look back at the at the past couple of years that we've been through, and I hope one day we'll stop saying "oh, the past couple of years" or "the past two years" and refer to this decade. as a, as, as, yeah. a, as as history. But you yes. know, one of, one of the things, one of the topics that we're about to dive into is kind of displays. It's, yeah. it's displays because. You know, when our lives changed and we were sent home, I think we we determined that there were a lot of different things that were important in our lives. You know, things like webcams suddenly became uh, not only just, you know, a novelty, but a necessity. Right. Oh, absolutely. I think is is, you know, can be said about displays on the monitors and the TVs and everything around us visually. well, you know what? I kind of I, I I made a half joke before we went before we went on the air. We were talking to each other about this stuff, and it really wasn't a joke. And during this period, when people are working from home and people, you know, are sort of distancing themselves in general all over the world, our monitors became our windows to the world. Uh, it isn't just a a work device. It isn't just something we play on. Yes, we do work and play on these things, but it became our window to the rest of the world when we couldn't physically be there. And I think to an extent, it's going to be like that for a while, and not necessarily because of COVID, just for the better in terms of communicating, staying connected. And isn't it nice to have a company in the industry? And there are very few companies like this anymore, Mark, because we see so many businesses going into new business models. Everyone's going uh, into a new sector, new segment. It's very nice to have a company that's been doing something so long, so well. I could get a ViewSonic monitor years ago that was beautiful. I can get a gorgeous ViewSonic monitor today. So we love the consistency of the company we're going to be talking about, in reference, of course, to the bigger picture. Uh, yeah, so I'm excited to be talking to some ViewSonic monitors today, Mark. Well, you know, that's what we're here for. Uh, our next guest is the Product and Channel Marketing Director over at ViewSonic, Kenneth Mouse. Thank you so much for being here. I mean, you know, obviously, it, it times it perfectly with exactly what we're talking about. It's amazing how that <laughs> happened. <laughs> Thank you guys for having me. Super excited to be here. Kenneth, you know, looking back at the past couple of years, what what are some of the things you noticed? I mean, there's so many trends, but when it comes to, you know, being inside a company like ViewSonic, you see things from a different perspective. You see what consumers' behaviors are like. What what are, what are the big takeaways for you guys? I, you guys are right on as to how the last couple of years that dynamic has really changed, right? The monitor used to be an afterthought for a lot of folks. It's one of just a display that you have at work, right? But but look at looking at COVID and it has really changed everything, right? If we think about the overall um, ways of people interacting with technology, it is significantly different. A, people, uh, if you look at some of the data, when we look at the, the shipments of worldwide PCs, it went from one PC per household, now is multiple PCs or even one PC per person, right? So with that change, and you know, as we continue to do hybrid work workspace and, and you know, people are really just trying to figure out a way to deal with the changing dynamic, the need for display and to be able to connect to the world, to stay uh, productive with work and just connect with your schools and teachers and friends. Um, it just, there's the, after all, all of a sudden, your display has become that centerpiece 
right? To, to, to your guys' point exactly. And the need for different displays, right? You know, you, when you think about, you guys talked about gaming, you, you guys talked about work. And what about portables? And people are on the road some now as we go. And people are on different places at, in their households, right? They need maybe to have to work from the kitchen top, right? You know, the, the island and they might have to work in the living room. So everything has changed. And then they really prompt a growing need for different types of displays to fit different needs and different user scenarios. And it also kind of really makes us change the way that we perceive and that we look at these technologies because there were a lot of things and not just monitors, but there were a lot of pieces of tech that years ago, Mark and I have talked about this on the show before, that people thought of as things that stay hidden in the office or things that stay hidden on your desk or behind a desk. Or, and now oh, yeah. things like monitors, and I think, I'm sure it not just affects the technology that's inside of them, but just the visual, the way that they're designed, the aesthetic of them, because now these are things that are to be celebrated and to be put out as a display thing. Now your display is on display for for lack of a better term. So the way even <laughs> yes. the way the design ethic is even changing as something that is to be a centerpiece, not something that's just hidden in the background or hidden in your office, right? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. There are a lot of features and, and technologies we're building into our displays today that wasn't really needed at, before, right? Think about DisplayPort, you know, VGA, HDMI. These are great connectivities, but wouldn't it be nice when you're moving around, you have one cable that does everything, USB-C, right? Especially on a portable scenario, when you're moving around and you're getting power through your laptop to that monitor that you have, and you're moving around your, your household or wherever you are, or find, finding a coffee shop to work, uh, that's just so much more convenient, right? Um, instead of holding on to five different cables. So, so most definitely, and, and you know, the ergonomics of it, right? And we all have seen images of people using those, you know, photocopy paper stacks, right? Trying to kind of elevate your monitor. Right. Ergonomics <laughs> is something that is so important. Uh, in your day to day, when you're using with uh, you dealing with a monitor, especially now when we're looking at a monitor for like, like a better word, eight hours a day, right? So, so how do you deal with that? So there's a, so many things that were hidden, or there were more premium for office environments. Now we've seen in people's household. Are there things, or is there one particular thing that stands out to you? Um, you know that you guys specifically developed or added to monitors or added to the roadmap that wasn't there before COVID that you said, wait, we got to jump on this now because, you know, either people want this now or it's something that's going to be really, really popular. But but something that wasn't on the roadmap before that you went, oh, we got we, we get we got to tackle this. No, that's a great question. I don't know if there was anything specific that was wasn't on a roadmap because like you guys started the conversation, which I, I really appreciate. And we we have been doing this for a long, long time. So there's roadmaps out a couple years out. Right. We're already looking at a lot of different technologies. But I have to say. COVID definitely was a catalyst for many things. You know, for example, portable displays. People think about portable displays as something, well, I only need it when I'm traveling, but not necessarily, right? As, as home becomes this hub for kids to learn, for us to work and, you know, and, and, you know, all that kind of good stuff. You know, you don't really have, what's, where is your home office? It's your kitchen island, it's your living room, it's your, maybe your office before, and maybe you're sharing a desk with multiple people. So, that really helped to push the adoption of portable monitors. And the big thing also is USB-C, right? And that the connection just keeps on giving, right? You have videos, you have audios, you have USB, you have you know data trans transmission and power. So, so it really is helping to push all these more advanced technologies into mainstream. 
You know, it's funny. Yeah. I had this conversation. <laughs> sorry, Mitchell. I had this right. conversation with a, with a friend a couple of days ago about portable monitors, and and he was trying to trying to say, you know, he's I guess trying to get me to convince him why he needed to get one. And um, yeah. you know, it's a mobile user. He uses a laptop, um, uses a Mac, and he's like, oh, why do I need a portable monitor? I could use my iPad. I'm like. I'm like, understand something. Not only does a portable monitor give you that second screen experience, but a lot of the portable monitors these days also have touchscreen control. So you can yes. suddenly give yourself the addition of something you didn't have before, right. especially to Mac users, right? Who um, who never had a touchscreen interface for their device before, other than an and iPad. Maybe never will. Yeah. Well, and yeah, maybe never will. <laughs> and suddenly they add the second monitor, they get that real estate so they can really work on, on things differently, but they suddenly get to also be tactile with them. They get to, you know, scroll up that Word document or that script that they're using on that second screen while they work primarily on the main one. And that is just one of the probably hundreds of benefits I can see from adding a, a second screen like that. But, you know, just the portability, especially people who are traveling. But yeah, you you nailed it there, too. I mean, with the portable monitors, it's one of those trends that I, I got one because I saw an ad once. I'm like, oh, I got to try this out and see what it's like. <laughs> but now yeah. it's, like, it's common practice. It's the easiest way to add a second monitor to your workplace. Exactly. Exactly. 100%. Okay, so all right, we we're talking about portability, right? So I'm going to go from ultra portable to ultra wide. And I'm going to take this to my use case and talk about a little bit about how that has sort of caught on. So <clears throat> I don't know about you, Mark, and you, Kenneth. When the first time I saw an ultra wide, it was with gaming. I saw a gamer using it. And I, you know, being a gamer myself, both console and PC, I was like, holy cow. I mean, you can see around you. I don't have to just widen the field of view through the settings. I can do it. And I loved it. I thought it was amazing. But at the same time, I thought, well, do I justify getting a monitor that wide, that big, when I'm just going to use it for gaming? So fast forward to today, I have an ultra wide sitting on my desk, and once I went to an ultra wide, it's like that joke: you never go back. I can't go back, and that's because the screen real estate. And I think there might be a lot of people out there that think similarly, or in the past have thought, well, that's not for me. But once you get an ultra wide going, and I realize I can have my recording software over here, I could have Kenneth's beautiful face over here in my meeting, and I can have this. I could have. I could be browsing the web, and Mark could be here. There are so many use cases. Do you find now that more and more consumers, and, and because of that, you have to have a larger variety of ultra wides because people are finally getting. Uh, the utilitarian use of something like this. It's so great for the workspace. Oh, Mitch, I think you nailed it, right? Because I think the, the key thing is uh, what we're seeing is the, the people are actually, they're not buying it just for gaming, right? You, you might start that way. That might be the point that kind of attracts you to that, to that monitor. But ultra-wide displays can definitely do so much. And we're seeing the blending of you know, gamers and content creators like, like yourselves, right? finding those display needs and you know finding it on one device instead of buying several monitors and for each station and for each each scenario absolutely and and i'm i'm, I'm in the same camp as you are uh once you go ultra wide you can't go back and, and my main purpose is productivity right i look at excels i look at content you know content for marketing stuff and you know reports and stuff right my emails my my teams my zoom they're all in one place, right? And I am productive. I'm responding to my teammates. I'm responding to um, anything that comes in. And I can be running like an interview right now and looking at my stuff and everything is right in front of me. So that beauty of the ultra wide, it's, it, you know, once you go there, like you said, you can't go back. And the funny thing is, I mean, we've, we've had people come over to the house and, yeah. you know, there are people that, you know, they're not techies. And usually when they see, you know, my wife, especially was like, you don't want something that big on your desk originally. Right. And people that have the same sort of, you know, mindset of like, Oh, that's such a big monitor. Why do you have that? You're such a kid. And, but now 
Every those same people are coming going, I've got to get one of those. How oh, many yeah. how many things can you have open at once? It's no longer, you know, such a kitschy thing. So yeah, I agree. And I think, you know, and especially I was looking at me to keep it, you know, a little a little view sonic centric. I know that's you know not why you're here specifically today, but you, know, you guys have a great selection at multiple widths with multiple technologies. Um yeah, and, and, and again, and let, let me transition that into another question. Do you find that there and this is something that Mark had brought up to me a long time ago? So I'm gonna steal it like it's my idea. Sorry, Mark. Um do you find that there are a lot of tech thank you. There are a lot of technologies that have come from the gaming side that have bigger applications elsewhere that have sort of found their way to improving monitors and the technology on all, all facets of the industry. So I feel like gaming has pushed the envelope in terms of developing tech that has applications elsewhere, right? Absolutely. I think the biggest thing is refresh rate, right? We see it on our phones. We see it on uh, the new you know systems coming from Apple, Surface, you know Microsoft, and everybody, all the major uh, manufacturers, really, right? Um, it's such a nice or much improved experience, right? I mean, yes, a couple of years back, we'll say, well, 60 hertz is good for your everyday work or just casual browsing. Sure, it is good, but <laughs> is it, you know, is it really nice? No, right? <laughs> having having a 144s, 120 hertz, and even 75 hertz, right? Just getting a little bump in that refresh rate is really going to make a huge, huge difference. And going back to the point where, a lot of these displays you're investing money on, it's going to serve multiple purposes, right? It's not only going to be your email display, right? It's when you're working, you use it. When you're not working, your kids might be using it to think, right? So all these things are kind of bleeding into, again, the premium features getting into the mainstream displays. Can I ask you a question about, um, I, I got two questions here. Let's, let's, let's stick with the ultra wide for one second. How <laughs> okay. wide is, how wide is too wide? And the reason I asked that question um, <laughs> I think your widest monitor is what thirty-eight inches. Is that is that we correct? We do have a thirty-eight. Yes. Okay. I, I I'm not going to mention company names, but I've seen uh, forty-nine inch, probably the widest I've seen. Um, yeah. What's the rationale between not going wider? Like what's what's you know how wide is too wide? Well, I think that's a. I, I don't think we're going to find a definitive answer to that. I think it ultimately it just it, it, you have to decide that based on your application, right? So so usually when it comes to wide, super wide monitors, the curvature will also include as, increase as well. So yeah. you're gonna feel like you're gonna be wrapped around in that scenario, <laughs> right? So, so, so yeah, if it is flat and it goes beyond a certain point, yeah, that's gonna, your neck is gonna hurt, you know, after 30 minutes. But as, as these different technologies comes out, it's really about that user scenario. For me, the sweet spot is 38, right? I, I'm, I, I guess I'm spoiled. I have a 38 inch display in my office, right? Um, and that's what I use every day. It's a powerhouse. Um, but, you know, for gamers, actually, you know, Mitchell, to your point, some gamers might not need that at all. Ultra wide might not be a thing for them, right? First person shooter games, they just need to see their tunnel vision. That's all they need to see, and that's it, right? So it really depends on the application. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, especially, I'll let you jump right in, Mark. I'm sorry about that. Uh, you got me excited talking about gaming. But I think that it's a difference between, it's almost like going to see, it's like sitting in the cinema. It's like going to see a movie. Uh, you want to be close, you want to be close enough to the screen, obviously, where you can see things, but you'd also don't want to be too close that you have to move your head during the experience. Like yes. for a gamer, the last thing you want to do is be moving your head. It's all eye. It's all peripheral vision. So it's a matter of, if you gotten to the point, Mark, where it's like, huh, what's on the internet here? And then what's, you know, and you know, if it's, if it's for work, that's one thing. But for gaming, especially, if you get to the point where you're turning your head, I think that would be the that would be the the note that says mm, maybe I've gone a little bit too large. If I have to give, I have to move my head. So yeah, you're right. It really depends. The metric becomes how are you going to be using it. So that's a great point. 
Okay, so I got to ask a question here because there's a, a new term uh, on the horizon out there, and that is a lamp-free projection. Now, you know, I guess we got to give a little bit of the history, which is and when it comes to projectors, um, and, and this is such a big topic because this goes from home theater to office to conference room. I mean, there's so many ways you could take this, but what is lamp-free projection? It's just, it's, we get rid of the original lamp that we're used to, you know, projecting the actual light. We're now switching to LEDs and to laser. I, I have to admit, I'm not such a projector expert, but in That's general, okay. yes, you're absolutely right, <laughs> right? So we're moving to, you know, laser LEDs. Essentially, you're you're getting a much better lifespan of that device, right? And there's usually no mercury. So it's su such a good uh, technology when it comes to sustainability, right? The footprint of our environment and also the lifespan of your product. I love it. Okay, so I, now I'm going to take it away from from projection for a second because I got to ask okay. you um, a, a business question, a more kind of B two B side of things here. Because ViewSonic, you guys also power a lot of the displays that we see in retail, in stores, digital signage, et cetera, et cetera. Sure. Was there a shift? Because obviously, um, when you talk about home use during COVID, you know, jump. I can imagine the jump. But on the business side of things, with businesses being closed. I think there's still a shift there and it's still something that's shift on the business side of things where people, for example, here in Canada, Tim Hortons, they changed all their outdoor signage from physical hands-on stuff to digital because they didn't want people to be touching things and changing things and, and sending you know assets back and forth. So did we see a shift? Are we, are we seeing a shift when it comes to the way that retail or businesses use screens and displays? Well, not necessarily, you know, different usage. I think the technologies is, is continuous to improve, right? You know, for example, I'll give you one good example of some of the newer products we have, uh, DirectView LEDs, right? These are major 108, from 108 to 216, I believe, right? 16 by nine uh, DirectView LEDs, right? These are LED tiles, basically. You can remove individually and hot swap, right? It gives you a much better brightness. And we all remember the different, uh, you know, the color consistency. Sometimes you see these retail environments. You yeah. have one panel that looks a little pinkish and you got one that looks a little greenish and everything is a little kind of doing its own thing. Um, but, you know, as people are definitely looking for more consistency, better brightness, better color, and just being consistent across the board, right? So as we kind of reopen up and everybody's kind of back to their sort of the, the old days, that need is popping up again, right? And Derevio LED is a great example of it. You want to deliver, I mean, our, our, you know, our retail customers will love to have their message front and center and deliver it in a consistent way. Then instead of getting to a more of a custom, you know, third-party solution, our Derevio LED is all in one. And, you know, you have four different, you know, humongous size you can pick from that will make your environment the centerpiece, right? So, it, there's, I think there are better technologies getting into the market right now. Okay, I, I have a specific, uh, I have a specific question regarding uh, ViewSonic here because, uh, sadly, I'm a selfish little man, and whenever I get excited <laughs> about an interview and I start looking, I'm like, "Ooh, that monitor is beautiful. I want to look at that. I look at." That. So I start looking at all the beautiful stuff. And by the way, I, I highly suggest that people go to ViewSonic.com and check out the selection because, again, if you haven't checked out their lineup of monitors, they have something for everyone there. Beautiful wide screens, great. And I want to talk a little about bit about color. You, you were talking about color, and I want to bring that up again because. When people see certain terms, so if people are not well facile in terminology when it comes to screens, when they're looking for something new and they see RGB scale and they see terms like Color Pro, when it's like, okay, that's cool, but what does that mean for me? What does that mean in my day to day? How is that going to affect the way I use the monitor? Could you just sort of like talk about the terminology and what that means to the consumer and maybe what to look for in terms of if a monitor is right for them? 
Oh, wow. That's a loaded question. I'll try my best here. <laughs> you, you, you can chisel it down just like the terminology, like color bro and, you know, yeah, yeah, SRGB yeah. and RJ45. And just terms that people maybe looking at a monitor and say, okay, sure. what does that mean? What do those terms mean? Absolutely. I would definitely start from, you know, the application. What are you trying to go with, right? What are you trying to accomplish? Uh, if you're a gamer, you know, you will see, you know, on our website, you will see the gaming displays. Uh, we call either, it's either the elite displays or they're the omni displays. These are, you know, Mitchell, what you talked about, high refresh rate, uh, great color fidelity, super fast in, in terms of screens, great for any sort of a gaming environment, whether you're playing with uh, you know, your PC or you're trying to connect your gaming console to it, right? right? You know, as those are the ones you want to look for. Now, if you're content creators, meaning you, you, you edit your videos, you look at your, you know, maybe you edit your photos, that's where the VP or color pro displays come in. These are the monitors that are pre-calibrated before they leave the factory floor. So they are very accurate. Um, so it, what that means is, Whatever you do to your content, whatever you do to your you know, materials, it's going to look consistent. It doesn't matter where they are, right? So you don't want to be editing something on the wrong screen. And the outcome, by the time it gets to the editor, it might look completely whacked. So that's the stuff that you're looking for. Now, what we saw, like you alluded to, the VG monitors are super awesome, right? These are the enterprise business monitors. That's where you get the, you know, we have the green box in, in initiative, meaning it's all paper-based. Um, there's very little environmental footprints on those displays um, and they're ergonomic on it, right? When you're spending a full day in front of a screen, you can adjust those displays up and down and whichever way that fits your posture. So those are the ones I really, really recommend. And, you know, and then, you know, I have to say I'm very, very biased um, and very spoiled. I would go for the most expensive one I can afford. <laughs> so I get USB-C, I get, you know, the ultra wide and that's, you get everything you need, right? So um, to add to that point, you know, look for, I would say nowadays, when you look for a display, get one with USB-C connectivity um, that supports power delivery. That's going to be so yeah. much easier. It's a lot simpler with your cables. It's going to be a lot simpler with all the accessories you need. It, it's just everything in one cable. It's just a whole lot easier. You know, shameless, uh, shameless Usonic plug here. I'm looking at the VP3481A, which is a 34-inch ultra-wide screen, 100 hertz refresh rate. We have the FreeSync, which is great, uh, yep. and 90 watts of USB-C power. And, I'm, and I bring that up for a reason. That's not just a you know a bragging point, but it really has practical application. If you are actually, if you don't want to use, as Kenneth was suggesting, multiple cables, you want to use just one, and that includes charging your laptop. And a lot of the modern laptops have higher charging needs than they had in the past. So knowing that you'll get 90 watts of power delivery you'll fully be able to charge your laptop while you're using it on the screen so a little shameless plug for viewsonic from mitchell whitfield <laughs> I, I love that it. monitor it's actually right there mitchell uh, on it, my left what here. do you mean kenneth oh, we sorry. have to talk after the show we have to talk after <laughs> yes. the show yeah go, go ahead i'm sorry go yeah, ahead kenneth, kenneth looking you know looking ahead um i know it's hard to prog prognosticate you know where the industry is going but you said you guys are obviously you're, you're always working ahead of time without divulging anything that you're not allowed to divulge what does our future look like when it comes to display technology what is the next big trend that we're going to see well i i think you know, I, I want to, you know, with to answer that question, I think I'm going to move away from desktop a little bit. There's still going to be a lot of innovation desktops, uh, better ergonomics, better screen. I mean, mini LED, OLED, they're all, you know, there's all, that's, there's a lot of stuff go, going. And I wouldn't be surprised if you're going to see a wider displays. Um, but, you know, displays getting, like you said, as we started the initial part of our interview is, is getting into more places, right? If think about education, right? We're modernizing our classrooms. You're, we're hanging 
75, 65 inch displays in front of classrooms and really revolutionary, uh, revolutionizing the way teachers and students you know, interact with each other, right? So you're gonna see displays to, to really penetrate into different scenarios and create these new scenarios whenever new existed in our daily lives and how the way how we work, how we learn and how we interact with each other, right? And I think one big thing to, to continue to bring up is, I think we haven't really touched on, on it and, and this is video conferencing. Right. Yeah. Not only on desktop. Right. But in offices, in, in schools. And what does that mean? How do you keep that human interaction in place? Right. God forbid, if there's a catastrophic situation, we have to go back to uh, 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 more of a, uh, you know, uh, from home remote situation. That's how you keep, you know, inter your interaction, your collaboration and that human touch, you know, alive with each other. So. Um, there's going to be a lot more and, you know, video conferencing, I think we have all learned a lot like of webcam being just a afterthought to a necessity. And now we need better qualities. What is, what about no AIs? What about noise cancellations? And what about, you know, adoptions to different light situations, right? How do you make your person that yourself look better, more presentable in, in a situation, situation like that. So there's going to be a lot more software enhancement and that will go hand in hand with this hardware enhancement. Um, that's just going to create much better interaction between people, whether you're in work or, or education or just, you know, daily lives. Yeah, I, I like it. Yeah. yeah, no, I was also going to say we see a lot of companies now, you know, talking about the processors in their monitors, which is funny. It's something it's a conversation we haven't had and haven't heard in a long time. But to your point, Kenneth, we're seeing a lot more being mitigated on the monitor side, you know, yes. like I said, in terms of processing, processing color, processing picture audio, uh, if there's a built in webcam. So yes. having a processor in, in a lot of these monitors that we're seeing or, you know, from different companies, that isn't necessarily just like a, a goofy trend. That's something that's very helpful considering everything a monitor has to do now and yeah. it helps your pc stay young and fresh and healthy because it's offloading some of those processes to the monitor itself so that's a good thing all around a absolutely one one other thing i i don't mean to brag but one of the things no brag brag yeah <laughs> that with in conjunction with USB-C, right for our b2b customers you know offices and you know people hate to have a lot of dongos yeah. peripherals and, and you know docks and everything a lot of the you know metro to your point we're, we're building a lot of features into our monitors right so ethernet ports rj4 seems easy but you know that actually replaces a lot of for a lot of folks the need to have a docking station yeah that's you know number one it saves money it simplifies your deployment and it's just a whole lot easier to manage for people there was a company that I was uh, I was consulting with, and we were talking about because they're moving office spaces. So they're selling a lot of equipment. They're taking the opportunity to upgrade, and they're moving to a, like a flex kind of flex space scenario where nobody has a permanent desk. So they want to, for the first time, whereas IT used to be okay, we'll get you a monitor when you want a monitor, whatnot. They're making sure that all the hundred and ten little pods they have are identical so that when you walk in, you can sit down, you plug in one cable or whatever cables you need. Uh, and there's talk about docking stations and all this stuff. And I actually said, guys, you know, there are monitors now, you know, you want to set up dual monitors, great. But look at the back of the monitors these days. There are full USB hubs in there. There's everything you need in the monitor itself. So you can get even simpler by having one power cable, that's going down beautifully, beautifully set up. People come to the desk, plug in one cable, and that's all they need. Yeah. Internet connectivity is hardwired. Web, everything they need is Audio, there. Audio, everything. And, yeah. and, 
And and they ended up saying yes, and they ended up going with that solution, even though it was a little bit more expensive. But the money they saved not having to buy all this other stuff and maintain all that other stuff, it's literally, okay, plug and play. Plop the monitor in, everybody's ready to go. And 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 I think that's a trend we're seeing throughout, honestly, the world as people go towards these flex spaces. So. Oh, yeah. And, and just to add on to that point, I think, you know, from our perspective, from Visonic's perspective, the, the, your experience with the brand doesn't start after you plug in your display, right? The technology and the thought that went into designing these products starts much earlier. Uh, to my earlier point about, you know, how we're in this interesting place where, you know, some people are in office, some people are back home. And, you know, sometimes our, our B2B customers finding themselves need, need, needing to send displays to multiple locations. And it's not about deploying something in office only. Um, the way we design all these B2B monitors is they're extremely easy to be put together, right? Uh, we actually printed almost the instructions on, on the carton box itself, right? It, it is easy to do. Anybody can do it. And to your point, uh, Mark, you can just plug in one cable and you're ready to go. So, so that experience starts when you put your hands on that box and that's just where everything is very much simplified for our customers and just easy deployment for everybody. Kenneth, um, we've eaten up so much of your time. I want to thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we could probably talk for another hour or so, so uh, let's do that. Let's, uh, we'll do that another time. Th thank you so much for joining us. Um, we can't wait to have another conversation with you down the road. Uh, and, and, you know, keep up the good work you guys are doing. We love it. Thank you, guys. R really enjoyed the conversation today. Happy to be back again. We'll talk to you guys soon. Excellent. You guys are listening to Your Tech Report. That is our new good friend, Kenneth Bao from ViewSonic. We'll be back in just a moment. Your Tech Report will be right back. You looking to make the most out of this life and optimize your personal wellness? Then check out the Natural Man podcast. Join me, host Mike C., as we explore all areas of human wellness, physical, mental, and emotional. Learn strategies to optimize your own well-being and be in the driver's seat of your own health. Remember, your doctor works for you. Learn biohacks, neurohacks, ways to improve sleep, and ways to optimize your body and your mind. Check us out on Apple, Spotify, the Fountain app, and at naturalmanpodcast.com. Do, did, will, the Story of People podcast is now available on the Cryer Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks, Undercurrent Podcast at NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holawati from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Crier Media Network.